What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What? What did we talk about? Oh, we talked about um, the fact that I think one of the hardest things for me that I probably haven't you know, dealt with yet and actually maybe unpacked is the impact of my mum uh, having schizophrenia, paranoia schizophrenia, right? Um, and what it actually did to me as an individual from a, from a young age. Um, she's a Christian, born again, um, both my parents are, um, but she has suffered in the area of mental health. And as a young boy, I didn't realise, maybe, maybe looking back more now, I realised how much it really did impact me. And I, I can pinpoint certain moments where I'm like, yeah, I, I went numb. Love is a treasure chest, but once opened, our hearts become vulnerable. I, I went back to Vegas. It was this guy. He appeared as a friend. Sure enough, it led to infidelity. Alignment can't be ignored. We talked about certain topics as far as having kids. She didn't want to have kids. Um, and that was one of the red flags. And I know you desire marriage. So I think it's best you move on with your life. What you do, know, Lisa, what you do? I told him, okay. <laughs> she didn't ask me why. I knew several other women's bodies better than I knew my own. I've, I watched their videos of them having sex, so I would try to imitate that. No discussion is off limits. Dear Future Wifey Podcast brings healing. You inspire us to try God a little bit more. Up through this platform, I have realized that it's possible. It's possible to love again. The conversations have really helped me to change my perspective on relationships. Season 7 is all about tough topics. I'm Lateris R. Winfield, and welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, Lateris R. Whitfield. Listen, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, can we get a commitment? Hit that subscription button and subscribe. Make sure you turn on your notification bell so you'll be notified about upcoming episodes. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or even Anchor, make sure that you leave us a review if the platform allows it and go ahead and rate it five stars. Listen, we are having an amazing time in season seven of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. We're calling the season Tough Topics, and today will not disappoint. <sighs> you know, I love it when I get my brothers on the podcast. I met this brother last year while he was doing a review on an episode that I did on Brini Lee's YouTube channel. And I loved his commentary. I love that he was given a very... Um, level-headed viewpoint on the episode that we did and so i said okay this brother i can rock with him and then so i joined him on his platform the next day so without further ado welcome to the dear future wifey podcast my homie kojo what's, yeah. what's good man you right? i was gonna try to say your last name but it's okay we ain't gonna do that upon what upadu upadu yeah upadu so listen uh where are you from well, I'm from UK, uh, Birmingham, to be exact. I grew up in London, but I'm currently in Birmingham at the moment. So, you know, I'm overseas over the pond. Over the pond, know. and you here in the in the beautiful state of Texas. You spent about two and a half weeks uh, in Houston, right? Yeah, so I, I started off in the ATL okay. uh, on the 28th of July, 
Stayed there for four days. I actually got sick. So I actually, uh, yeah, the ATL got rinsed. I didn't what do anything. Some you ate? I threw poisoning. Oh. Them little pepper wings got me good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, I was sick for four days. Then came to DC, saw a couple of ready to love people there. We we chilled, vibed, um, had a good time. And then I came to Houston on the 4th. And shout out to Houston. Okay. All right. Shout out to Houston. Now I can't say everything that was happening. No, no, no. Don't tell, tell why you shouting out Houston. I, there's something in the water. Mm-hmm. I have to say there's something in the water, something in the air, there's something about the atmosphere that's that affecting the the women. The women, the shape of the women. Baby. The shape, the glistening skin tone, you know, the the energy, the You kindness. said I ain't never seen more beautiful women than in the city of Houston. I don't think I have. It is the gazelles here are different. You know what I mean? And the line in me was chasing. You know what I mean? So listen, honestly, no, it like the, the people it's not just the the beauty on the outside, but it's actual people's energy. Yeah, you said the they warmth. were really kind and really yeah. cool. You said Is that something? Huh? Is that a southern thing? It's a southern think? thing. Yeah, definitely. Like that's we we call it southern hospitality. Mm. So we're gonna make you feel at home. Um and so I love that. Yeah, and what can. so Kojo, he and I had a conversation a couple of days ago. Mm couple of days as in yesterday and uh we said you about to fly back to london i gotta have you on the podcast so yeah. you're doing this turnaround trip um to come to dallas shoot this episode go right back take your flight out of houston so you can go back to the uk the conversation that we had which is so perfect for a tough topic mm. is what what did we talk about oh we talked about um the fact that i think one of the hardest things for me that i probably haven't you know dealt with yet and actually maybe unpacked is the impact of my mum uh, having schizophrenia, paranoia schizophrenia, right? Um, and what it actually did to me as an individual from a, from a young age. Um, she's a Christian, born again, um, both my parents are, um, but she has suffered in the area of mental health. And as a young boy, I didn't realise, maybe, maybe looking back more now, I realized how much it really did impact me. And I, I can pinpoint certain moments where I'm like, yeah, I, I went numb, you know. And you said that that is affecting how you date. Absolutely. Um, and I think we were speaking on the phone. I said to you that, you know, I even had one girlfriend where I said to her, listen, I don't need you. I don't need you, you know. And I kept on telling her, and I'm wondering why I keep telling her that. And she wasn't um, doing anything wrong. She wasn't doing nothing wrong. So before we get we we jump into it. Today's episode is titled Mama Trauma. Mm. Mama Trauma. Mm. Uh, Rihanna's nodding her head. She said, you nailed that title. Look at you. Look, I got I got a snap of approval over there. I knew she liked that. Uh, so Mama Trauma. And mm. so, uh, <laughs> you know, Rihanna <laughs> thinks she a, a lyricist. So anytime you rhyme or whatever, she's going to give you, she's going to big it up. So there it is. Like that. And so Mama Trauma. So you said it's affecting the way that you date. You, This woman was doing nothing to you. You just told her out the blue, I don't need you. Why? I mean, I think for me personally, I just didn't want to feel vulnerable. I didn't want to feel weak and I didn't want to feel exposed. And the more I was giving myself to her, the more that I was loving her, is the more that I felt myself slipping and losing control. Mm. Like I'm not I'm not able to control how I feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? So as soon as I start to love her, I can feel that she has all the opportunity to just go like this and crush me in an instant. And I, I felt like I had that I had to regain some power back. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had to regain some control back. So that was one of the ways I guess I was doing at a point in time to kind of like, hey, I don't need you, you know, like, you know, like it's it was all it was saying it to her, but I don't think I was saying it to her. 
You know what I mean? I think I was I was saying it to me in a way that kind of reassured me that, you know, you have you have some control over this scenario. And also what it was doing was also helping me kind of create a bit more distance. You know what I mean? Like, so if I create that distance, then that means I still got some some power left in the situation. Yeah. I can control me yeah. again. That's the power of love. It can take you somewhere. You know, it can make you feel like you're you're slipping. You know, and that you you don't you don't have control over the situation. So, yeah, I was. And you said how mean. long ago was that? I was like, I was probably like it's about seven eight years ago, man. All right, so yeah. seven eight years ago. So let's back up. Mm. When did you first realize that your mom was struggling with mental illness? Oof, how like, old were you? Probably like eight, nine. You're about eight or nine instance. years old. Yeah. And how did you come to the knowledge of that? I think the first instance I had was when I went to. She was working in the school, and she was an administrator. And uh, when I when I walked into the school, um, she started whispering, telling me, "Listen, they're talking about me." And I was like, "Wait, what are they talking? Who do you mean they're talking about you?" Like, you know. And of course, you know, she's dealing with a particular demographic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what demographic it is. <laughs> uh, so at that point, I'm thinking to myself, "Well, maybe they are talking about." Her. She's like, you know, maybe they are talking about her, and maybe she's she's telling she's telling the truth. Like, what, what else can I say, right? Um, but coming to know later on, maybe when I was around about eleven, twelve, when the first raw episode took place, when she she left, she just left. She got up and went. You know what I mean? Couple went went to another another place, another town. You're talking about she was at home and she just left. Ah, uh, she just left, man. She picked up the stuff and went for a few days, and then she gave us a call, maybe like two, three days in, saying that she was at a particular place and that she, she, she felt like people are trying to we're, we're trying to get her. We're trying, trying, trying to, to trying, trying to, to kill her. Trying to maybe kill or kidnap, her, even, her. kidnap take her away. We 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 don't have good intentions. She said that y'all were or other people. We were all the family. Yeah. So what did you think? So how did you get that? Did you come home? Were you already home and she left? Or did you get a call yeah, or what? I, I got a call. I remember I got a call in school. Um, I got a call in school. I remember I was on the play, back playground um, of the school. And I remember I got a call from my dad. And he said, you know, mom has run away. Um, so come home. So I left school a little, a little bit earlier. Got home. And I see my dad sitting on the steps. And I'm like looking at him. I'm like, yo. What's what am I supposed to do, right? Because that's not how I was trained to 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 give empathy or emotions out, right? That's not how he trained me. You know, what I mean, he he trained me to be strong. He trained me to be tough. You know, what I mean. So when I'm seeing him sitting there, I wanna I wanna be able to be like, you know, like you see yeah. the movies. You know, when yeah. you see the movies, and you know, you give him say, hey, look, man, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna yeah. be all right. You know, what I mean, maybe we share a moment there. In my head, I'm looking at it. That's not what you trained me to do. That's what I did. I did a little on the shoulder and then I, I kind of left it there. You know what I mean? Um, but even before that, just kind of scooting a little bit back in the playground when I got the call, I think at that moment, what I, I remember at that moment specifically, I just went numb. I went numb. I turned off the, the emotional, the emotions or whatever, right? I don't know how you can do that, but I turned it off because at that point I was starting to feel pain and I don't want to feel pain. Mm. So I numbed it. And I just put it to the side and I said, I'm not going to feel this anymore. At 12 years old. At 12 years old. But I think if I'm, if I'm really honest, looking back at it, I'm deep in it and going, the training that I had had in some aspects in terms of be strong, be tough. Yeah. You got to handle your own. Had met an opportunity to become like steel in that moment, you know? Like at my training that I'd had now had the opportunity to come and take place. Because I had been taught to 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 be strong, to be 
uh, you know, to be resilient. So when that moment comes up, that's the only thing I know. Okay, well then I'm gonna put these feelings aside because they don't help. Mm. They don't make me strong. And you come from, you're born in Ghana, right? Well, parents are born in Ghana. I was born in UK. Okay, but they're from Ghana. Yeah. So so what's it like being raised by uh, a father from Ghana? Well, I mean, you know, African parents can be a little bit tough. You know, <laughs> um, they can be a little bit tough depending on where they've come from. So, like my my dad, uh, from his background, he grew up with his mum. Okay, but didn't have a dad. And actually, it's quite funny because he said something to me the other day. Everybody, I don't know if I can say it, but he said something the other day, and I was like, I, I, he talk, we were talking about his mum, and I said, do you know your mum lied to you? Like. She, you know she lied about your dad Like You know when you listen to those stories About people on Red Pill And they talk to you about How mothers can lie yep, about fathers Yeah I was like dad You know that she lied He never thought that she lied up Well he didn't really he didn't, he didn't put it He didn't put it that way Because in his head His mom Is looking after eight children So At that point You know you can't You don't look it that way But I'm like When he told me so I'm like Bro she lied Like she lied about Why he went away you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and I don't think he realizes the impact yeah, of what it does to him. him. Yep. But I'm looking and I'm going. She lied. So not that's not that doesn't mean that she was a bad mother. She she did her job fantastically. But that would have impacted you in some particular way. One hundred percent. But his story is that he never really had a father figure because his father was had run those political stuff that was happening in Ghana. So he had run away. He was fearful. So he didn't get to have much time with his father. He had one or two moments with that. Um, and so he learned how to be resilient, strong, and handle things and do things on your own because no one's going to be there to save you. But that's how he taught me. Inadvertently, he taught me to also be hyper-independent. I say hyper-independent because independence is good. Yeah. But when, you, when it becomes hyper at that point is that I don't need nobody. I got it. I want to ask for help. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I handle my own. But it gets to a point where you, you become one-man island. Yeah. Um, and so that was his kind of upbringing in some aspects. And so for me, being raised in an environment firstborn, I'm, 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 that's that's what I picked up. You know, how what many mean? siblings do you have? Three. So you had three. So you're the oldest out of three, and you, 12 years old, trained yourself to shut your emotions off, even mm. though your mom mm. is gone, and you don't know when you're going to see her again. Mm. And you shut your emotions off at 12. Yeah, because you didn't want to feel the pain. I don't want to feel it. Because I can't do nothing about it. And, and it makes me feel weak. And that's interesting. I'm like, how did you compartmentalize that at 12? That's a word. Compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. Yeah. Yeah. At 12, though, you, you started doing that. And what was so... The reason why I want to have this conversation with you is how mm. self-aware you are. You said, mm. to be honest with you, I don't think I've fully... Could get unpacked it. You haven't even addressed it. You just yeah. said, I know this is an issue I have, and it just is what it is. And you said, um, but you knew that that's what gets you to a certain point with a woman. Mm. And anytime she may show any instability in thoughts and mm. actions, you like, uh uh-uh, nope, I got the deuce. I'm 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 out. I'm really? gonna be, I gotta be gone. Yeah, it's too much. So I think for me personally, I think having and I think anybody who's had a parent that is uh, has suffered with mental health will tell you that the stress of responsibility, yeah. having to constantly think about someone else. I'll be honest with you. People sometimes people say to me, I'm like they might feel like I'm a selfless person, but I know in my head I'm like I'm a selfish person. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. I don't. I, I don't want to be a part of it. I I've separated from that time from 12 years old. I began separating myself from. 
from from my parents. How 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 did you do that? At Twelve years old. I just I just I just turned off the emotions, became numb, and I just wanted to do things on my own. You know what I mean? I wanted to do things on my own. I didn't want I didn't want to include my parents in anything. You know, and and we we can get real deep with this stuff because yeah. I and there's some stuff I probably haven't said to my mom as well, but it's like. You know, my mum was not the same person that I saw when I was younger. You know what I mean? This is somebody who was bubbly, who was lovely, who was giving, who was kind, who was generous. You know, would do things for others, was strong. She preached, she, you know, she teach the word, you know, and this and that. You know, and then I see a different person who is a shell of themselves. Yeah. And what comes to that, and I was thinking about this earlier on, that what comes to that also is my own personal feelings towards how I feel about mental health and where my mum is. I have my own feelings of shame and embarrassment. Yeah. And that's got nothing to do with her as, as a person, as in, but it's how I feel about the situation. I feel a bit of shame and I feel a bit of embarrassment. And I, I feel bad about feeling that because she can't help that she has a mental health exactly. issue. But that's how I feel. You know what I mean? That's how I feel. Caregiver coach Pat Bailey, how are you doing today? You know what, Lateris, I'm really not doing as well as I could today. Why not? Because 50% of our families are experiencing some sort of emotional disconnect. 50%? Wow, that's the same statistics for divorce. You know what makes it so sad? When it comes to our parents, Ephesians 6 and 2 tells us we need to do better than this. So how can we do better? Well, the first thing we need to understand is you're going to be a caregiver or you're going to be cared for. And in particular, with the statistics associated with Alzheimer's, 6.5 million people today with Alzheimer's, by 2050, we're talking about 18 million people. Hold on, you're talking about three times as many. Three times as many. But there's a process that we need to engage in today. You gotta tell me how. I want everyone to understand and embrace a four-phase process. Okay. First thing, I recognize we're gonna have some deniability about the fact that we aging, but we are. You need to accept your responsibility associated with it. You actually need to now become a, a, a discovery agent researcher on what do I need to do? And then you need to manage that process. Okay, so please, caregiver coach Pat Bailey, tell us how do we manage that process? Well, first thing you need to do is you need to connect with me. Okay. Yeah, connect with me on social media. And what's your social media handles? At caregiver coach Pat Bailey. I know you got to have a website. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you what, findingnewtomorrows.com will send you a free resource guide. Listen, I thoroughly appreciate all that you said today, and we got to change those statistics. Today. Today. And so you started distancing yourself from your family. Um, what did your father pick up on that? Like, well, why don't you? Why are you in the room? Why don't you come out here and, and 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 spend some time with us? Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to? Did he start picking up on that, or did your mom even pick up on it? I think it was there was little little comments here and there from my dad, but I think you know, like I said, he trained me to be independent, so. It's like it's almost a win, you know. what I mean, like, yeah. oh, he's he's doing everything by himself. You know, he he was had a motto: if you're gonna go somewhere, know how you're getting back, because ain't gonna be me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, but that, he changed that when my little sister came around. Then he 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 changed that real quick, real quick. Yeah, it's he funny how a daughter, would change, with, yeah. a daughter would do that to you. You yeah. know what I mean? He's but for me, he wasn't doing that, bro. Like, if you go out there, you better know how you're getting back. You know what I mean? I Things like that are little tidbits of what makes you so independent. You like, you have to figure it out. You ain't got no choice. And but yeah, so I think as I became more independent, I don't think he saw it as a bad thing. I think he saw it as a, a, a strong thing. You're strong. You're resilient. You're you're confident in you. And part of it is great because I am. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. I'm in America yeah. by myself. I'm not. Yeah. I don't have to wait for anybody to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's also a part where you can't. You can't 
ask for help. There's so much pride in being strong or appearing strong. So yeah, he, he, he wouldn't have picked up necessarily anything of it because I'm doing what he trained me to do. You when know? did you move out? I moved out at 26. Okay. And I'll tell you this, I was happy to move out. I was so happy to move out. I'll be honest with you. Because it got to a point where um, I remember I was, I had, a, we have a garage that was adjacent to the house and I had spent time like cleaning this garage. I put effort and time into it, um, you know, trying to, you know, clear it out so I could have a space that I could do some gym stuff and yeah. then do some prayer as well, right? So like I've done it, I've spaced at this place, I've set my but I've set my little, you know, gym thing there and I've got, you know, my open space where I can do my prayer, my walking up and down. You know, I like to so pray. You're talking about twenty six, you was you, you was a prayer warrior. Oh, listen. Had listen. your own little war room going oh, on. Oh, listen, man, little war room in there. Listen, I'll tell you, Benny Hinn would have been proud. <laughs> Benny people would have been fainting up from right and left and set up. You know what I mean? I had I had the anointing in there. Um but no, Jason Sala, but like I, I really that was my that was my safety, you know what I mean? That was my 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 mental space where I could be free. Because there was enough space and I could walk up and down, I'll be praying, you know what I mean? So I really was cherishing that space. And then one day I come back and my mom has just turned it into a carpentry space, bro. Talking about carpentry space. Yeah, she turned into Jesus 2.0. She just started doing carpentry in there. And I'm just seeing saw, saw clippings here and there and things are starting to move. The shelves are starting to move. Like, yo, she, she, she listen, and I'll shout out to her because she was repurposing stuff. I mean, the cupboard became the table. The table became the cupboard. You know what I mean? Like, she became an excellent carpenter. I mean, maybe that helped with her mental health as yeah. well for her. But what it did for me is it created anxiety. And I'm sure for the others as well, the siblings will tell you, they felt probably some anxiety too because you don't know what's going to change. I'm going to come home. The coffee table is now a dining table. You know what I mean? Like I, I, the cupboard today going to be a door tomorrow. Like <laughs> you can't, it's, it's unstable. You know what I mean? You come home, stuff just be changed. It's going to be changed, bro. And she was good at it? She was good at it. I can't even hate on it. You know what I mean? She was actually really good at it, but it's just like, it's unstable. You know what I mean, and it le- and then there's a there's a you know you leave a trail of mess behind, and it's that's what it kind of creates also the anxiety because you're seeing things all over the place. So she's completed the work, but then there's things all over the place. So you got to clean up now, and so now I think for me, and here's where the selfishness. I'm going to say again, I didn't want to clean up after anybody. Yeah, I didn't want to have to be responsible for anybody. I didn't want to have to be in a position where I had to give up, give up my life for that. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, I I said this, and I think I'll say it, it's dark, but Listen, if they go, they got to go. Who if who go? If the parents gotta go, they gotta go because they ain't gonna be me. You said if your parents got to go, they got to go. They got what? to go because I ain't gonna I, save them. How your daddy get thrown in the line of fire? What uh, do he he got to go. His time is up. <laughs> <laughs> it's my time. Now, but no, I mean that's how disconnected I feel some at points with from them. Emotionally, that you was like, yeah. If something were to happen to my parents, I remove myself from them that, at twelve. Yeah. Do you even look at them as your mom and dad? Yeah, I do. I do. But I'm disconnected. You know what I mean? Because I just don't want to access those feelings, man. I don't want to access those thoughts. So you were telling me at one point that even going into small kitchens or kitchens that are... Narrow. Narrow. It it's does triggering. what? It's triggering. Yeah. Because, Why? When, because you know, I'm up, shout out to mom when she was cook. And shout out to her the meals were good. I don't like They were slapping. <laughs> they were slapping. But the place after she's cooked, because then she got arthritis at the time and then... With the mental health issue as well too, then you know it. She would leave a trail behind. So now you're left to come and clean every single day. But it's a mad clean because you're going to do two hours of cleaning. 
every day when you come back from school or when you come from work. You tell me the mess be that big. It be that big. Pots right. pans everywhere to the third. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's not an order. It's not a normal. It's not like pots and pans. No, no, no. If it's just pots and pans in the, in the sink, I'll be frustrated. Like, oh god, because pots and pans. But it's like a mess everywhere. So, so it'll be pots and pans and the carpentry stuff uh, all carpentry. Everywhere. There's oil there. The spills here, and it's just. You know, there's a lot going on. Food is out here. There's just too much going on. So for me personally, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, after a few weeks, I'm like, this is too much. I can't do this. And I don't want to be cleaning up after somebody either. I just don't want to be a carer for someone. And that's, I think, again, that comes from the disconnect that I have emotionally. Because sometimes people like, you know, when you see people and, and I hear people talking about becoming a carer for their parents, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. And you better not call on me, call on Jesus. I ain't going to do it. You know what I mean? And it's Kojo, hard, but it's, Kojo, that's it. Kojo, you said you don't want to be a caregiver. No, listen. So, so out of all the kids, there's always a couple of the kids that don't step up like that. Mm. So you saying in your family. I'll pay. <laughs> you said you're not finna be the one mm. running around. I'll pay y'all to do it, but I ain't gonna do it. Get someone else to do it. That's how disconnected I am. I feel about it. You know what I mean? And I know it's bad, I, and I'm making a joke of it, but it's the real. It's, it's real. real, though. I, it's good that you know, and and and... To be honest with you, you know, um, I just pray that one of the other siblings are able to catch a uh, step up. And then, like you said, I'll cover financially, but you don't have the capacity. And I'd rather have somebody that really wants to be there than someone that doesn't because you'll be giving your your parents substandard care. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, here, eat this. Stop doing it. And you'll be real angry with it. And then it's just not good at all. That's not healthy. But if you just say, hey, I have, you have a younger sister or brother? What do you have? I have a younger brother underneath And one younger me, sister. And then two younger sisters. Oh, two yeah. younger sisters. Yeah. And so you'd be like, here, whatever y'all do, take care of it. I'll, I'll help cover that. When you... Um, how did that look dating? So, um, mm. talking about being sacrificial in a relationship, mm. you talk about how you don't have the capacity to step into that that space. Mm. Have you dated women in the past that said, "You know what? You you selfish." No, well, I hope not. Anyway, they didn't tell me into my face. So, what did they say about you then? I'm quite a selfless person. So they call you selfless, but you know deep down inside you're selfish when it comes to certain things. I feel, I feel like I, I feel like I maybe maybe that's a self awareness, just to be able to read different motivations for why you do what you do. But I feel selfish at points. Well, at points, like what points though? It matters of the heart when you're dating somebody. When you look at yourself, mm. do you say I'm a very giving person? I know how to prioritize a woman. I do this. Uh, it's not about just me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I always prioritize other person, but I think I'm selfish in the fact that my selflessness is selfish, because really and truly, when I'm giving, what I'm get, when I'm, I'm fixing. Okay, you know what I mean. So, but the fixing is not about you; it's about my ego. Hold on. So you saying so when you say fixing, so you 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 find that you subconsciously date women that have build a lot a of boo. issues. Yes, I was. A, I'm a builder bear. I was a builder bear boo. I was trying to He's fix a build people. A bear boo. I was a builder bear boo. I was trying to fix people. You know what I mean? I had my cape on. And really and truly, when I looked at the reason why I was dating these type of women and where I was finding myself being a counselor or therapist for someone, or I was really just wanting to be praised. I wanted to be admonished. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be adored. You know what I mean? Were you subconsciously trying to save your mom and those women? Yeah, I mean, listen, you, there's, there's an aspect where you're trying to have some control where you've lost control. I had lost control when it came to my mom's situation, hence why I went numb. I can't control what happens in that situation. 
and how I feel in that situation. So what I, all I could do was just go numb. That's where I can control. Right. But with the other women, I was I was able to control because I'm fixing stuff. You know what I mean? Like if if you got an issue, I'm gonna listen hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go the farthest reaches to try and help you as possible. Because really and truly, I wanted praise. I wanted to be, I wanted to, I wanted to say, you're so great, Kojo. I wanted to, da, da, da. But the reality is, there's a selfish motive behind it. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a wound that I was nursing through those behaviors. I was trying to save people so that they could look at me as somebody to be adored. But in reality, that wasn't selflessness. It was selfish. So after you got to the end result, what 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 happened? Like when you were dealing with a woman and I don't know if she ever started acting in the way that you may have preferred or loving you the way you needed to be loved, what did that look like? Did she ever get to the other end of it where you say, okay. I don't think it ever did. It just was a perpetual cycle. Uh, yeah, of- I don't think it ever, ever did because I didn't even know what I actually really needed. Oh, God. No. You know what I mean? I never so- actually knew what I needed. I, 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 I knew I was chasing a feeling. But I didn't actually know what I needed. Do you know what I mean? And it's because I was wounded. So whatever whatever would help supplicate that wound at that point in time is what I was chasing. But that doesn't actually heal the wound. That only is that only begins to, I guess, kind of feed it a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? To help kind of nurse to kind of nurse the pain that you're feeling. Yeah. Almost like taking a, a you know some paracetamol to kind of just kind of numb, numb that pain it. a little bit. Yeah. But it's going to come back in a few hours, right? So yeah. I'm going to have to do it again. So I always find myself in that place where I'm chasing that high in the relationship. So I used to love the toxic up and down relationship. I love that one. I love the one where we're going to argue intensely. We're going to come back because that makes me feel like you you generally care about me. Mm. You know what I mean? I love the relationship where, you know, you you have a big problem and it's like, I'm going to solve it for you so that you can look at me that way. You know what I mean? Uh, Or I'm going to ignore red flags because I can love you enough so that you will no longer see that, no longer be that red flag. You know, and then somebody will say, "Whoa, he's amazing." When you think about it, because you saw, well, let me ask you: are your, um, Is your mom and dad still together? Yeah, still together. Yeah. So, how long have they been married? Ooh, as long as I've been. Uh, how old are you? Old. I'm 32 now, so. So they've been over 32 plus, years. Over 32 years, yeah. So you've seen a man mm. love a woman unconditionally. Mm. You've seen where. The vows that that we take for, and I said this on my podcast last week. I said I want to get a couple on the podcast that have dealt with mental health, and it's interesting how on time God is because I asked you what do you want to talk about, and this is what you want to talk about, and here the the byproduct of you um, is this love relationship that you've been able to witness a man loving a woman through sickness and in health, Mm. the mental sickness, which we don't really address. And you've seen that. What did you, how do you view your dad seeing that example of 30 something years loving this black woman, this black queen through the worst situation where he, her mind is unstable. She's doing erratic stuff. Was that the only time that she left the house or did she, was there other? No, there was other episodes. There was other episodes when, you know, when it kicked in. And um, so she'll just randomly leave and you watch your father be patient for her to return mm-hmm. or go out and get in that. What do you think about your dad, man? Well, in those moments, I mean, listen, I think, uh, you know, he's an awesome person, you know what I mean? Because I, I, like I said, I guess I'm lost it because ain't going to be me. You know what I mean? So listen, you know, it ain't gonna be him. Gonna be me. So, Kojo said, if he had a wife that had mental illness, she leaves. She better just stay gone. You know, she, well, she, we, ain't, we ain't gonna start that road. You know, I mean, be strong. 
You know what I mean? But no, I, I, you but in reality, no, the, the, the realness savage. of the situation is that, you know, I think you don't even, you don't fully grasp the, the, the difficulty of having to navigate that field. Yeah. Right? Cause that person's also grieving the loss of who they were with originally. Yes. And I think, having kind of seen from uh, as I'm growing older and kind of being more wiser to, and trying to be more understanding of perspectives, I see how difficult it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I do commend them for that because it's like other people could have, other people left. All day. Now, whatever your reason is for why you stayed, I don't really care. And I don't really want to know personally, because yeah. I might not be the answer I want, but it doesn't make any difference. You're here, right? And you're staying and you're, and you're in it, you know? Um, and that's where the obligation kicks in. Versus what, how you feel about the situation. Yes. You know? Um, the obligation over feelings. Absolutely. The vows have to come first, right? That's a covenant. And you watch this. You watch this through your father. Yeah. Well, I, I, I saw him. That's probably the only time I've ever seen him break down. And what? When? when Those when moments. Oh, yeah. Those because you're talking about this is this is a believer. This is, yeah, this is someone a... someone who prays. There's someone who reads the word. who can teach the word. Everything. There's somebody who told me to be strong. But it's the only time I've ever seen weakness. And I don't even like calling it weakness. Vulnerability. This is the only time I've seen someone get to a point where their tears coming from the eyes. Mm. And that's when I know that this is, oh, this is deep. And I think that's, even when I was, I've run about 12, I think when that first thing happened, that's the first time I've ever seen my dad cry. So I'm looking, I'm like, you okay? Like, why is he crying? Like, there's no way he told me. Mm. You know, so I know how in, in, intense it can be. Now, of course, he has his own hangups. The rest of the siblings will tell you he's not perfect. Yeah, <laughs> but in regard to that situation, you know, um, and it could it could easily go in a different way. You could easily step out and be like, "I'm done." In your prayer room, you had a, you had a, you had a, your prayer closet. Mm. Did you ever bring your mom? Um, illness to the let throne room of God. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This, I'm still grappling with this situation, right? And that's so, why I want to talk about it. Okay, so praying about it. I, I started praying about it, right? Um, I started praying about it, and then I started having spiritual attacks. I started having some wild-ass spiritual attacks. I started seeing things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had some spiritual attacks before, but these ones were, they were violent, what I was seeing. You know what I mean? Um, not to over-spiritualize it, but it was, it was no, like no, a lot. No, no, spiritualize you know I mean? it. That's what we need to go to. Um, and I was seeing things that were blocking what I was praying for. I could, I literally was seeing the things that were blocking it. And so, you know, I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll put it plainly. Sometimes the answer to, to, to some of these things also is in what Christ talks about, forgiveness. Because when bitterness kicks in, when grief kicks in, when pain kicks in and it's not dealt with, this also hinders healing processes. Mm. And they appear as these demons and these monsters because they are those very things. So when I started praying about it and I was being hit and attacked, I got scared. At the time I was a young Christian, I was scared. I was like, yeah. well, this is, a bit, this is a bit much. I've, I've, I've encountered some warfare before, but this warfare was intense. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was like, I was saying to my aunt, I asked my auntie, I said, like, have you prayed for mom before? She said, yeah. And I said, what happened? She said, she saw some things. I said, this, 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 this. And she said, oh, well, she went to a prophet and the prophet said there's some strongholds and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, like, then this is serious because I'm, I'm seeing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, listen, I, I, I put that book down. I said, let me start praying there because this is one war. I don't know if I can win this one. I don't know if I'm ready for this warfare. It was a serious battle. 
you know? Uh, so, you know, I, I think, and then I, I got the revelation that there also needs to be, there's a practical thing that needs to happen. Which is? Between, that's forgiveness. There's who, a, there's aspect. Who needs forgiveness? There, there, someone needs to forgive. That's what I'm going to say. They know who they are. They All need right, to forgive. So somebody needs to forgive somebody. Mm. And yeah. that's what. And forgive, release, move forward. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's also a big part of it. And I've told the people involved, I said, listen, you need to see what you need to do. And if you don't do it, up to you. But it's also a part of it, the journey of healing. Did your aunt see the same thing? No, she saw something different. She saw it as more spiritual um, and to keep praying and fasting. But I got to a point where I realized that I've done the fasting and praying. I've, the answer has been given. Then There needs to be some healing. And also we have to understand as well that when I say healing, it doesn't mean that she's going to stop, have, not have, she's not going to never have episodes. That is not what I'm saying at all. Some Christians are going to suffer mentally. That is not a that is not a, a given promise that Christ said mm -hmm. that you will not suffer in your in your mental. So that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is there's some aspects of behavior that need to happen that forgiveness is one of those things. Hmm. So you reconcile in your mind mm. that this mother that you had mm. that uh, became a preacher, mm -hmm. she was preaching, giving the word, and struggling with mental illness the same time she's preaching the good news. Mm. How did you reconcile in your mind that a delivering God, mm. a God that says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you, the a God that says, by your stripes, you are healed, a God that says, I can do anything but fail. Mm. How did you reconcile in your mind, in your life as a believer, well, that mm. God hasn't healed your mom? I think that's when I, I really started reading deeper, you know, and asking that question. So wait, you know, we talk about the Lord that healeth thee. You know, I love that yeah. song, by the way, as well, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm reading in the Word, and I'm going, so wait, hold on. Jesus, when he was on earth, he healed everybody he touched. Yeah. So... Surely this means, you know, I got mom, the power mom, to do the same thing. I got the power to do the same thing, yeah. right? Um, and so I started studying and started listening to sermons. And I, the revelation I came to for me personally was that there is no need to try to, def to try and force God to heal the person mentally to prove that he is God. Because what's most important is a person's soul. When we talk about a story, we talk about Job. There was he could the Satan could touch everything else apart from what his soul because yeah. that's where he connects with who God. God. So even though your mental could be affected and someone can say, "Well, the Christian," no, but at the end of the day, what is a person's soul? That is what's most important because that's what Christ cares about—the soul. That's what needs to be delivered. You understand? So when I came to that revelation that actually everything that God is talking about, there is no promise that you're going to be wealthy. There's no promise that you're going to be fully you know, delivered of sickness. But what there is, is a deliverance of your soul. You are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And in that, that is where the promise and the seal of the Holy Spirit is kept. So once that is done, everything else is, is, is up to play. Listen, if God says that he's going to allow this to happen, hey, I can't fight him on that. You know what I mean? I have to be okay with that because I understand that that person it has a soul and they are still connected with God. And I think what kind of made me get to that point is there was a sermon actually by probably I think it was Benny Hinn and I don't agree with everything he says but hey, <laughs> you know um, and I'm not endorsing it but I'm just saying that one of the messages that he gave was that he went to pray for a woman who was in a wheelchair and he went and prayed for her to, to be healed 
And he got to a point where he caught a revelation. He said the woman and, and God told him, listen, where she's at, that's where I want her to be. Because at this point, she's spending awesome amount of time with me. And he was like, ah, how come? Because, you know, she should walk. And when he went to the woman, the woman was like, stop praying for me. I don't need it. Mm. I'm content where I am. That me and God, how we connect, I like where I am. Wow. The woman confirmed it. The woman confirmed it. So stop praying for stop me. Stop praying for it. So for me, I, when I got to that point, I was like, well, I can, I can keep praying to hope that she gets mentally well, but who am I doing it for? Is it for the glory of God? Is it for my sanity? And, and to save your embarrassment. And my shame, right? Yeah. Because I want her to be perfect. I want her to be the mom that I can proudly show off to everybody. And that's, again, a me work, not a her. It's not my mom's issue. It's me. That's how, how she, I feel about it. How does she feel about herself? What did she say? I don't know. I haven't really asked her. I forgot. You don't even you don't even associate with her. Really. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like talking too tough. You know what I mean? I say hellos and that, and I, I struggle to to get in deep, man. You know what I mean? You just leave her alone. You know, what's the last time you saw her? Probably a few months ago. Probably a few months ago. How would you feel if she passed away? You keep thinking that you're so disconnected. If your mom you would have passed away, you're going you gonna to lose it, Kojo. You keep thinking that you're a thug. I'm just saying, listen, you don't know the answer. You, 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 you're going to break down. I probably will break down, but that's not how I feel about it. <laughs> I, and I'm just giving you the... That's, that, I, want, I, want to, I want to be... Would you feel like it's a relief? I think so. And that sounds so wild. I know it does. But, and that's how I'm saying, like, that's how disconnected I feel yeah. at that point where I'm like, maybe it would be better for you. You know what I mean? Because I, 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 I feel like you're suffering. You know what I mean? Maybe that would be better for you. But that, again, that's, that's because of how... I feel about situations. And I can understand that. You know what I mean? Because I wouldn't want my mom to suffer. Mm. I mean, and that's in anything. Like when I see people who are going through sicknesses and then they'll amputate the the person's leg and then they'll amputate the other leg and they'll just start doing I was like, do not be don't be cutting on my mom like that. Like, mom, if you let's go and get you checked out. And got you did a great work. Uh God bless you. Because I wouldn't want to see my mom suffering like that. And so my heart goes out to people who are caretakers taking care of their mm. their loved ones and parents that's battling cancer and any other type of uh, uh, diseases or terminal illnesses that they are so sacrificial in loving that loved one um, all the way into the very end. And so uh, it hurts my heart. And it makes me wonder, too, about, uh, let me ask you, do you desire to get married? Absolutely. Why do you desire a wife? Um, I desire a wife because... Well, I'm, and I'm assuming it's a wife. It's a wife you want. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> no, no. That's for someone else. That's not for me. <laughs> but I, I definitely desire a wife. Why? Why, why would you want to be married? I think if I talk about all the motivations for me, I desire a wife because one, um, you know, I love Jesus. You know what I mean? And I love the fact that, you know, our marriages are a reflection of what he's done for us. Jeez. And I, f I do feel that gratefulness of his forgiveness and his grace for us. And I know that marriage almost replicates that because we're supposed to do that for one another throughout the course of the relationship. I think also another thing is that I just, I, I got love to give, you know what I mean? And I want to be able to give that to someone. I want to be able to do life with somebody, you know, and have someone have my back and I have their back as well. 
And, you know, I want to be able to also produce, by the grace of God, God the offspring. You know <laughs> what I mean? the offspring. So they, they too can come and worship the Lord as well. You That's know what I mean? And come to, to know who he is. So I desire marriage because I just think it's a, I think it's a beautiful thing for us as Christians. And I'm going to say that Christians because yeah. the world has taken marriage and it's now become a business and you know when you hear people when i hear people say that marriage is a business i look at it and go that's that's how i know that you, you you've missed it i know that the system has legalized in a particular way but you've missed it because that's not what it is it's a replication of what god the lamb has is doing with us so if you look at it as a business yeah you you, you may you may you may see your business back go bankrupt but uh, I'm, not trying to have my bank, I'm not trying to have a marriage go bankrupt you know what i'm saying to you i'm trying to replicate what christ has done for us and and play that role that he's told us to play as men, which is love your wife as he loved the church. That means, are you ready to lay your life down? And I think that's something I'm even asking myself these days, man. I I, I was saying to a friend that I was talking to, saying I, I spoke to two or three girls recently, and I was like, I felt this urge, like, you know what? You, I would die for. Really? Some of you, I wouldn't. I won't do no bullet for you. Sorry. You know what I mean? So what was it about those women that you said you would die for? And here's where it comes back to my mom. They're kind. They're compassionate. They're caring. They trust. They are free from, I guess, the constraints of what I feel are uh, trauma. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it reminds, I guess it reminds me of how I see my mom. You know what I mean? How I remember my mom back in the day. So those women, I, 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 so there is a, there is a love, but so you're right. I probably will break down if my mom ever passed away because in real actual fact, how I choose, how I choose women, I'm looking for those traits, the kindness, compassion and nurturing, the giving, you know, the sacrificial energy that, that, that trust that they even have, you know what I mean? That someone even follows will follow you to the ends of the earth. So I'm looking for those same characteristics that actually I see in my mom. Did those characteristics die at 12 years old? Did you stop seeing your mom like that? Or do you still still see her like that? You just, it's just the other part overshadows those beautiful characteristics that you've... The other, the, the other part overshadow it. Yeah. It's there. It's definitely still there. It's just that it overshadows it. And I can't see past it. It's hard, it's hard to see past it. You know what I mean? So when you think about this beautiful illustration that you just articulated about God's mm. unconditional love for us and how the love that he has for us, you want to model that. First of all, that's what marriage is, the model of what God's love for us as God is married to the church. You 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 understand that. You totally understand that, mm. and you want to model that love. Yeah. When you look at Kojo today, mm. do you believe that you have the capacity to love unconditionally like Christ? With your wife? No. Why not? There, there's a there's a there's a there's a kill switch in me which, which will go off, right? Um, I was literally thinking about this other day, uh, other weeks, and I was like, right now there is something in me that after about two or three years, I'm gonna nuke it. Really? Yeah, I'll nuke it. Yeah, I'll nuke it. Why? What, what's up with the two or three? Disconnecting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, what would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you take up a new hobby, catch up on some sleep, complete reading the book you've never had time to finish but always promised that you would? Did you know the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is by knowing what's important to you and making it a priority? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. 
I couldn't have become the person I am today without therapy, to be honest with you. My vulnerability and transparency were cultivated in therapy, and it served as a foundation in which the beloved Dear Future Wifey podcast was built. Now, as you know, relationships of all kinds are important to me. Therapy helps with learning positive coping skills, managing expectations of myself and others, and most importantly, establishing healthy boundaries. Oh, boy, life is stressful, ain't it? Now, therapy is a safe space to recalibrate and recenter. Now, can I be transparent with you? Since the inception of this podcast, I've always wanted to do this right here for better help. Why? Because so many of you reach out to me seeking referrals for therapy services after each episode. My heart has been overwhelmed by the outpouring of you desiring help to show up better in life. And guess what? I believe the world is a better place with better help. It's entirely online, too. Designed to fit your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Wifey today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Wifey. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. After after two or three years, once that, that, that particular honey face goes... I, 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 that, that obligation, cause it, it starts, you have to, you have to come into an obligation now yeah. in space, right? Cause you're no longer working on the emotions. So you have to come into an obligation and then that covenant you made. And I know at this point in time, there's a kill switch there, which is just like, once it gets to a point where the emotions fly off and the honeymoon's gone, the switch is about to kick in. And any moment that you, anything I see that may potentially hurt me, I'm going to flick that switch and I'm going to disconnect and I'm going to separate myself from you. I think this is going to help a lot of people because I think that a lot of there's a lot of men and women that that deal with that, mm. that there are kill switches in their psyche that a person don't even know that they've tripped the, mm. that that switch. And they'll be like, everything was going great. And then they just started tripping or ghosting me and said, this ain't going to work. It's not you, it's me. They hit mm. them with that when they realize that that's a real thing. It's not you, it's me. That is something happening on not just a cellular uh, level with a person, but a heart level. They, they like, I, you, you hit the word to the point, which is obligation. Mm. It's gone from the point of, listen, now I got to, I'm at this point that I'm, I feel obligated to you that we got to start making life decisions together. And I don't want that obligation. I'd rather start back over at one with yep. somebody else. Absolutely. But you know this about you. Yeah. I, I feel it. In my last relationship, I've, I felt it. I felt it the most then. Like it wasn't the best relationship at all, that last relationship, but there was a lot of time that I could observe myself. Like I remember that I remember that we had a I remember our first like argument. I was good. I went to pray. Lord give me some wisdom. We came back. We was like, yeah, cool. Second argument happened. I said, listen, if she tries it again, she's done. If she tries what again? If she, if, if she tries to get this rude or whatever or says something, whatever, I'm done. I'm done. If she cuts me anywhere again, I'm done. Trust me, I will cut this thing off. Were you done when she did it? Not necessarily, no, but I felt, my, because but I think she came to apologize. So at that point, I was like, well, that's good. 
yeah. back because if she didn't, I was gone. Like you know what I mean? Like like, and I f- I felt I really felt the kill switch then, and I realized it's part of my I'm, the kill switch is basically your attachment style. My yeah. attachment style is fearful avoidant, and what I realize is when I get cut or when I feel like I'm being cut, I begin to separate myself from the person because I'm feeling like you don't care about me, you don't love me. And so protect myself, I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to be numb because if I don't, I'm going to feel a whole lot of stuff and I'm not going to have no control and I'm going to be really hurt. There's going to be too much emotion going on that I'm going to be overrided. And when that happens, I shut down. You know what I'm saying to you? So what I noticed in that relationship is that anytime I was getting cut, I was ready to, I was ready to skedaddle. I was ready to go. I was ready to run. Fearful avoidant. Yeah. And so... What have you heard? Like, do you ever bring your father involved in your relationships? Have you met? Have, have you ever had anybody come home to meet mm. the the parents? Yeah, yeah. I think he met two of the girlfriends. I remember. I remember. I remember. He said. I remember. I asked him about after one relationship ended. I said, "So, what do you what do you think about the girl?" He was like, "She was gonna run you into the ground, boy. You don't know what she was getting yourself into." I was like, what do you mean? I was like, you know, he's like, listen, she would have run into the ground. You, you think you're strong, but she was strong. You didn't see her. Yeah, I'm like, brother, it's me. <laughs> she can't play me. <laughs> well, what, what, what did he see about her? I think he just saw her strong will. And to be fair, he's right. Really? I did see the strong will. I did see the strong will at points in time, right? And when I say strong will, not in the way that you're trying to break someone's will, but in the sense of the person won't follow your lead. You think they will, but they won't follow your lead. They'll go a different route. <laughs> so you right? think you will. You think it will. They ain't going. And it actually, it showed up in the relationship, but I was just so trying to ready to fix, I was overlooking it. You know what I mean? So, and, and God told me from the beginning of the relationship, I shouldn't have been there. So to be fair, I shouldn't have been there. But um, yeah, so when he told me that, I was like, oh, you know, he's probably right. You know what I mean? And so, look, he's, he's, he, he has, like he always says, you know, the, the, must, the eyebrows come before the moustache, meaning that he sees things at a different level to me because of his experience. But sometimes it's hard to take his advice because, like I said, there's a disconnect emotionally that I have with him that I don't trust his advice. And so it's not that his advice isn't good. His advice is great. But how I feel about the advice is because of how I feel about you. You know what I mean? So because I feel disconnected emotionally at points in time, that I can't trust when you give your advice. You know what I mean? And and I, I think I've said it before that how I relate to him is how I relate to the Father in heaven. Mm. It's like, I want to be able to do it by myself. Like you, I don't like you telling me. I want to be able to see if I can do it. Because that's how you trained me. You trained me how to what? Be independent. So I need to see if I can do it. Don't tell me ahead of time and 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 almost feel like I'm I'm being controlled. That's how I feel. Again, that's an attachment yeah. issue again. I feel controlled. So I want to be able to figure it out. You feel and, controlled to accepting the advice of the Yeah. Person. Like, don't tell me ahead of time unless I already know. If, if I already know it, uh, you know, then, okay, you can tell me. Because I already know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You confirm what I already know. You confirm what I already know. But if you're telling cool. me what I don't know, I'm not listening to you. I don't listen to you. I'm to I, wanna, I want to figure it out. Like, like, like my girl Ariel. She said, I'm going to see for myself. I'm going to see for myself. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna leave here with something. You know what I mean? I want to leave here with something. You know what I mean? And that's how and that's how I dealt with it. And in fact, when I first came to Christ, that's actually how I behaved. I said, "Listen, Lord, when you bring me to you, I want you to let you know I don't want the faith that my parents have. I want you to teach me how you want me to maneuver." That's fair. I don't want I don't want what they have. What they have is what they have. But what you I want to see for myself what you are really bringing to the table, so I can so I can see for myself and and judge it for myself. That's fair. So it does have its benefits, but the, the negative part is that I, I can't, I couldn't take 
instruction. I couldn't take advice. Couldn't take wisdom from I didn't somebody. Trust. It was coming from a safe place. Even from your father. Even from my father. A father that you saw it tried and true working with your mom mm. and loving her unconditionally. You say, I still ain't gonna listen to you. Yeah, because of the way he dealt with me. How did he deal with you? He told me to be independent. So be independent of him too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you think the independence was gonna be for other people? It's gonna be you too. <laughs> you told me to be independent. It includes you. <laughs> you thought you were gonna get away with it? It includes you. So, you know, and you talk me to that. Get with <laughs> yeah, and then you get stuck and then you get stuck in that way and then you develop a pride from it. Yeah. And you have to be that way. And so at that point, what, what, uh, yeah, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to hear everything you're going to say. I'm gonna, I'm, I, and listen, the funny thing, I, I did some videos on this. Everything he's ever told me, it's never gone out the other ear. Yeah. It's, it's in there. And it, it waits for the right time. And then it goes, he did say that. Yeah, that's good. He did say that. And are you humble enough to go back to your dad oh, and say you were right? You go back to him man, and tell him, listen, you know what? You were right. Tell me an example you of know. when he was right. So the girl situation, he was right about that. Was there Absolutely. any other situation? Listen, I remember one time, this is more novel, but I remember one time I went to, to, to I, you know, he was paying me £15 a month, right? You know, a little, little, sal little salary. Yeah. Um, and I took my, my 80 quid, which is around about, that's about four months, five months work, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, took it, went and bought a tracksuit. This okay. Averex academic tracksuit had like a Tweety Bird on it. Yeah. Get a, get a Tweety Bird. I was feeling like a king, bro. I came out, I bought the, I bought the, I bought the, the tracksuit and walked into my dad's room. And, and I said, Dad, what, what, look at this tracksuit. He said, you're going to wear that one or two times and you are going to be, you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to wear it again. You've wasted eight quid. And I was just, I was pissed off at that point. Yeah. You know I mean, I'm like, why would you say that? Why can't you just, why can't, why can't you just accept that? You know, I bought a tracksuit and say, hey, it looks nice to me. And just go off and do it. You know, I wish he, he could have done both. <laughs> But he chose to want to do one, and that's fine. Okay. He chose violence. You know, he chose violence. He could have at least said he could have done that and the violence, but he didn't want to do that. All right, cool. He said, you wasted your money, son. He said, you wasted your money. And then, you know, it wasn't long. I've, I wore that tracksuit twice. Twice I wore that tracksuit, and I didn't wear it again because I had nowhere to wear it. It's an inappropriate tracksuit. It's got a Tweety Bird on it. Where are you wearing that to? You know what I mean? Like, where are you? And it wasn't even fake. It wasn't even real. I don't pay 80 quid. It's a lot of money for a tracksuit. And it's not even real. You know what I mean? So, you know, the eyebrows came before the mustache. The That's what eyebrows, I like that. The, eye, the eyebrows came before the mustache. Yeah. You know, so, you know, yeah, he, he, he's always given me advice when I needed it and asked for it. But like I said, uh, we have our own relationship that we have to work out. And there's things I wish he could do with me. But I also understand that coming from his perspective, he never had a dad. So he's doing as best as he can do, you know what I mean? And giving as much as he can. So it's also my responsibility also to then relate to him and say, hey, this is what I need from you. I know you, I know you men have not done it. You men have had happened your way. But I need to also give it to you. Like when I say I, I would like him some encouragement. Yeah, he does give it at points, but it's very, it's, it's at, it's almost Simon Cowell esque. It's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like at sparingly. You know what I mean? Like you gonna get that golden bus from Simon Cowell. Everyone gets excited, right? That's how he operates. But I don't need Simon Cowell esque. I need, I need someone who's gonna be more present and consistent with the affirmations. So when I had a conversation with him about it, I also didn't realize that where did he get his affirmations from? Mm. He wasn't getting it. And how, and I remember one day I preached, no, I remember one day he preached and the, pre the sermon was wit. It was, it was hitting. Sermon was on fire. All that was, it was tears in our eyes, everything. He finishes, he comes off the pulpit. I look at him and I said to myself, <clears throat> I want to tell him well done, but I, I can't. You can't. I can't. 
And I'm not got tears in my eyes, guys. I just coughed, so no worry, it's not tears. <clears throat> but I couldn't tell him, uh, well done. Why not? Because you never told me oh, well done. But you done told other people well done before. Yeah, I, I can tell them, but he's they're not my daddy. <laughs> so <laughs> you know what I mean? So I I I couldn't tell him that. You know what I mean? I, I, I struggled to. I really wanted you to tell him. You wanted to, but it just I would not come out your to, mouth. But it wouldn't come out my mouth. Because you ain't do it for me. So I, 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 I'm struggling to not want to do it for you. And so you never told him well done? I mean, I told him well done, maybe like a day or two later. What but I wanted to say in that moment. He said, thank you, son. I appreciate it. You know? And I was like, cool, I like that. But I, want, I wanted to tell him in that moment. Whereas with my mom, when I went, when I did my first ever preaching at the church, she said, oh, she's so proud of me. You know, she, you know, well done, son. Like you've done so well. Duh, duh, duh. And I appreciate that. But you know who, whose affirmation I wanted? Dad. Not you, mom. Yep. Dad. You know what I'm saying to you? When you preached your first sermon, how old were you? 22, I think. 22. Yeah. I remember, the, I remember one time I went to preach a sermon and she told me, you're not ready. Stop. How old were you then? I was 22, but that, that, that something wasn't, something wasn't hitting. She's absolutely right. That something was, was filled with shade, boy. I was ready to let up the church in that prayer, that preaching. And she told me, that's, that's, that's not it. Leave it alone. It was after you preached? She said that? I didn't even get to preach that first oh, you one. The first one I was practicing. I, 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 I did some of my preaching in front of her and she said, yeah, it's not hitting. Don't do that. Yeah. You. Did, did, could you accept that? I accepted it. Oh, I, really? I accepted it. It hurt though, but I accepted it. I was like, well, maybe I'm just not ready. Do you know what I mean? And then when she finally gave me that opportunity to go and preach, I felt ready. I was like, do you know what? I realized that, that preaching I was there, that was carnage. Well, hold on. So are your dad and mom pastors? No, my mom pastored for a short while when I know she got sick. My dad is more of a teacher. Okay. You know what I mean? He likes to teach the word. That's where me and him are very similar. So they're at a church <laughs> and they and and they would preach at y'all's home church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he would teach, do Bible studies. She would do more preaching and stuff. So, you know, they had the two gifts that were beautiful, man. I call it PT and, you know, sometimes I like to preach, sometimes I like to teach, but people going to get fit either way. You know what I mean? Have you been called to, to the ministry? Yeah. <laughs> are you running? I'm running. <laughs> Listen, Jonah ain't got nothing on me, boy. <laughs> he, he went all the way uh, to, to to Texas. That's his Nineveh. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's it, bro. He's, He's trying to call running. me, and I'm running. I'm running. Why? Tell me why. I don't want the responsibility. Throw that word go. You, want, you, want you don't, want, you don't want the obligation. I don't want the obligation. You know what I mean? And I, I, again, they go hand in hand with the mom situation. Again, yeah. once more, I don't want to be tied down. I don't want to have to be obligated to something. I want to be free. And it's because I've, I felt like a caged bird as a young kid because you're always responsible. I looked after my siblings. I potty trained. I did change the nappies. I did the burping. I did the, uh, you know, ch- bottle, you know, food, everything. Like, you know, I did the Google Gagas. I've seen first steps. Y'all, I've seen all of that. You know what I mean? So, but you don't realize it traps you. Yeah. You become a third parent. I lost some summer holidays at some points, you know, and it got to a point, even me and my brother had a real conversation like some years back where I just separate, I, at that point when I, I was at 15 and I think, I wanted to chase some girls, yeah. okay? And and you ain't helping me, <laughs> okay? Like, no offense to you, but you ain't helping me do that. So <laughs> I just started going on, out on my own. I just I didn't tell him I'd sneak out. I didn't want him to come along. Not because I was embarrassed or ashamed or anything. Yeah. I just wanted to be you separate. You want to be free. You want to get I want away. Free. You know what I mean? Because I felt like a caged bird. And I realized that, and it's funny because a lot of my interviews, people think that when I'm interviewing people that, you know, like, uh, how should I say it? That you know, you're 
you're you're you know a lot and it's it's like a nah i'm relating to them they don't realize that actually when you're saying something i can relate to what you're saying yeah i felt what you felt yeah. right so i'm always feeling it. and the one that really hit me was actually an interview with shay from put a ring on it shay and michael um she on her particular uh interview she spoke about being almost like a third parent in a household yeah. and i was like oh as I was revealing to her about her and such, I was like, well, that's you, boy. You know what I mean? And so I started realizing that I'm running because I don't want to be caged. Mm. I feel like I'm being caged. And I feel like I haven't been free enough. And that's why I'm right now. And I, I never lie about where I am as, as, a, as a Christian. I'll be honest with you. I am a free bird right now. I'm probably for the streets. I probably shouldn't say that, but I'm for the streets. And I, know, <laughs> I don't need to be for the streets. You know, what unless, I mean? unless it's heaven streets. Yes, exactly. That are paved with gold, and I should be there, but I'm not. You're on the one with asphalt uh-huh. and cobblestone. That's it. I'm on the wrong streets, right? Because I'm running. I want to. I want to be free. And that's the only way I knew how to do it. And again, that's the rebellion I'm saying about because I know what God is telling me to do. I know where he's calling me to be, but I just don't want to be there yet because I know you're going to ask me to be responsible and obligated towards people, and I don't want to be obligated to those people yet. But in your heart, do you look at marriage and the calling of ministry hand in hand? And so you're, you're, you desire both, but running from both? Absolutely. Yep. The two are e- uniquely linked. Yep. And it ties into my mom, it ties with my dad. Yep. And until I'm ready to face it, I can't give someone wholeheartedly trustworthy that I'm going to be the best partner for you. I could be for the first two, three years. That's how people end up getting called narcissists because I'm going to turn around and be like, I don't know who you are. And they're going to be like, coach is a narcissist. I'm not. I just, I'm broken. You know what I mean? And after two, three years, I've changed because I I, I was always willing to fly. You know what I mean? You say they're going to call you a narcissist. They're going to call me a narc if they, if, they, if they see that story. So I know that I don't want to get into a situation with someone because I know I can't give them that 100% because there's a kill switch there. But one thing about you couldn't be a narcissist because you're too self-aware. That's, what, that's also true. <laughs> and that's also a cage in itself. Yeah. Why you say that? Because every time I do something, I have to think about it. I have to, I already can, I'm already calculating every consequence to an action and it makes me feel caged. You know what I mean? So the self-awareness becomes a great tool. It's almost like what Solomon said about wisdom. Wisdom becomes misery because now you know better to do in every single situation. But being a bigger person every single time is tiring. That's true. Being a good person is tiring all the time. Sometimes I just want to, I just want to, I just want to, I want to, you know. I want to wild out. I want to wild out. Yeah, I want to punch somebody if you know? they get on my nerves. I want to be like what happened in Alabama and, and throw some hands. You know what I mean? And, and do a still chair. <laughs> You know, that's a new monument for black people now. Yeah, that's a, they're still chair. They're still chair. You know, it's interesting. And when you look at that, that's what, and that's the reason why I wanted you on here is because it's so hard to find <sighs> black men mm. emotionally available that will sit down in their truth, not try to say what people want to hear, mm. but say, "This is who I am, and this is the season that you're meeting me in." If Lateris has me back a year from now, then I may be in a different season. season or I may be in the same season, but this is who I am 10 toes down. Why do you think it's so hard for, you know, I can get women to come on the podcast mm. all the time. Why do you think it's so challenging to get a lot of our black men on the podcast? I think because we associate being vulnerable with weakness. Mm. The same way I was saying about how my dad, how he taught me. A lot of us are taught that whether it's society or whether it's your parents, that being vulnerable is weak. Yeah. And if you be vulnerable and I show my emotions, you're going to get clowned. 
You know what I mean? So it takes it takes a man that doesn't care about what other men think. The problem is a lot of us men, we do care what other men think. Yeah. We're validated by what other men think. Facts. Because we haven't had any validation from our fathers oftentimes. There it is. Which is where the first thing should be so that you can actually have a, 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 a ah, wait, that's why, that's me. I don't mind. You know what I mean? Um, so a lot, I think of us as guys, we struggle to be vulnerable because we are scared that it's going to be used against us as a weapon or a tool. You know what I mean? If I say, oh, I cried at Titanic. Listen, I cried at Titanic, guys. I, I, oh, I did too. When I saw Jack slip away, I cried. I said, Rose, what's going on? That board is picking up for both of you. You know what I mean? Hello. This may be TMI. I cried at Lion King. Listen, listen. <laughs> listen, I was told up. I was told up when Mufasa got killed. I know, Jesus. Listen, my boy. Listen, <laughs> Mufasa. So what you doing? <laughs> he going to go out as a bastard kid. Oh, my God, Mufasa. I was like, my heart. I said, why am I crying at Don't Go Lion King? This is a cartoon. <laughs> told me up. I was, I was emotional wreck. Listen. But you can't say that. You know, you can't say that to the why world. Why can't you say that? Exactly. Because it'd be like, say, bro, like, why are you over here crying over some stuff like that? Like, like that, you, you don't get street cred crying mm-hmm. at, at uh, the white people on Titanic. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Why are you crying about those people? They ain't going to do nothing for you. They ain't going to do nothing you for you. You saw me to the You crying about Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. I cried about Pikachu. When that first movie, that took me out. Pikachu? Took my boy out like that, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? And you know what I really noticed that I noticed that at Passion of Christ, Passion of Christ, that Ooh. film. Oh, that, that wrecked Ooh. me. That that told me up. You know when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> Your shoulders get the shoulders bouncing. Get bouncing. That was me on Passion of Christ, and then, and I found myself trying to stop myself crying, and I asked myself, why am I stopping myself crying? There it is. This is an emotional scene. Yes. My boy, yeah, that's Jesus being whipped. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's because again, we don't have a healthy relationship with. You know what? When when you when you read the Bible, the Bible says that the Lord heard the prayers of Israel through the what? The tears. So whenever we look at tears as just solely as a weakness, you miss a lot of what tears actually do. Yeah. And I think sometimes the reason why I cry so, and I'll be honest, I cry at films. Yeah. I think the reason why is because what what's happening is my my the the numbness that I have is trying to unnumb itself. So it uses movies as a way of trying to speak to me, like yes. hey, unnumb yourself, like address the issues you're feeling. Because right now we're seeing something and we're reacting to it. Almost like when women talk about if they've gone through something that, you know, essay, they react in a way when they see something on the screen, they get triggered by it. You're also being triggered. We just don't call it that. You say, oh, the brother's crying in the movie. No, you're triggered. Very much so. You're triggered. You know what? And when I think about this as we wrap up and, um, yeah, God is going to have to heal that mother and son relationship. He's going to have to heal that mama trauma because I guarantee you, you're going to marry a woman that's going to want to hang out with her mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be like, well, nah, you can't, you can't, you can't go talk to her. You know, ain't no you, need. So what you going to do about that? Have you ever experienced that dating somebody where they want to meet, meet, meet your mom and yeah. you really? Yeah. And I said, what's the point? <laughs> you said, what's the point? I said, what's the point? You ain't go over relationship with your parents. I ain't go over relationship with We're good. Oh, so you said the girl you was dating didn't have a relationship with her parents either? Well, I mean, she had a good relationship with her dad, actually, but... But not, not her mom. mom. Same way as I didn't. And I was like, well, are you doing your thing? Because I didn't do my thing. So well, why, why are you trying to force me? You know what I mean? We in the same boat. Why are you asking me to row harder than you are when you ain't rowing? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but no, um, and, and she made it still, it's a good point that she made, but, you know, she wanted, she wanted to... Be a part of the family. Because she was lacking that in her own. In her own. But I, but I couldn't. I was like, yeah, but you don't know my situation and I don't want to have to address it right now. There's too much to unpack. Also, she didn't even know what was going on with your mom? Not fully know. You know what I mean? I said, there's too much to unpack. 
there's too much to go through. And then that would mean I have to desensitize. I have to, I have to unnumb myself, man. But that's the way I feel like I've survived. And I don't, I don't want to be a, and I'm, I'm saying words that I've heard people say a lot of time. I don't want to be a wreck. You know what I mean? I don't know how it would take me out. I don't want to be a wreck. So I don't want to, I don't want to address it. I like the strength that I have in that area. If it's, even though it's a false strength, I like that strength that I have in that area. Yeah, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to deal with it. It's locked away. So on the worst days, what have you seen your mom do that's gotten you so traumatized? I think it's just it's just sometimes um, she might say something that will be out of weird place. You know what I mean? Like she might say, um, don't say that. And I'll be like, what did I say? She's like, don't say that. I'm like, mom, what did I say? Uh, you know, and at that point I go, I can't do this. Yeah, this is. This hey, what'd you do? Oh, I said, mom, it's been great talking to you. I've got to go. And you just leave? i got to go. There's nothing else to talk about at that point. And so that's what you do in relationships. The the, the first sign when someone shows a little bit of instability, you would just leave? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I tried. I, again, I'm trying to fix. So at that point, that's why it stays so long. I'm trying to fix. But I'm talking about that was in your past. How are mm. you now? Oh, now I'm more aware of that fact that that happens. But the kill switch is still there. <laughs> You know what I mean? At any moment, I could flick it. So I'm very much aware that that that's still there. It's not gone. And so I understand that, you know, even the last relation I was in, it made me really become conscious about my own behaviors. You know what I mean? That I'm, I'm not perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, And I'm not fully healed either. Um, and so, yeah, there are, as soon as I feel like someone's cutting me, I, I want to be out, man. So your biggest fear, so, and I talked about this on my podcast, one of my biggest fears, I'm still fighting against it, mm. is marrying someone mm. and not knowing how many years you have with them and they die real soon. Yo, that's a real fear, you know. Listen, that happened to my homeboy in 2020. That's I watched them get married and I think they was on. married for like a few, it wasn't even a year. And she, and I couldn't even call, I ain't talked to him to this very day, is that I didn't know how to be like, my boy King Robinson, I didn't know how to hit him up and say, and I seen uh, recently on social media that he's remarried, but I couldn't say, bruh, like, you have my condolences. That's not enough. Mm. You you did all that work. You got with this beautiful woman. You said your vows. You got married. And like months later, they died. Like, I don't even know how to have a conversation to console somebody like that. And so that has been uh, a a an underlying trauma that I just, I just feel, you know, mm. you go do all this work. I'm doing this whole podcast. I'm going through this journey of healing. And then you get with somebody and they, it just, it, uh, so what I've done is I'll pray against that and be like, mm. okay, Latarius, that's just something that you carry. Just let that go. But your fear is your fear of marrying somebody that's suffering from mental illness. I mean, listen, yeah, there's, 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 there's a fear there. There's a fear that, uh, that, I haven't I would have to go through what I went through as a kid, you know what I mean? Um and I and having to manage that. And I think again, where what it really is is the loss of that person. Because that person in my head is not the same person that was when I married you. Yeah. And actually that fear about the death one is also my that's one of my things too, because I had a I had a person too who whose uh father I lost their their wife and that shook me to the core too. Yeah. And the real, and I realized that that's coming because I'm I'm afraid of being abandoned. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I felt like I've been abandoned by my mom. She didn't yeah. abandon me. Yeah. But the mental health that came in, I felt abandoned. Yeah, and that makes and sense. I had to I had to strengthen myself up and 
be strong. And so anything that represents loss, I'm afraid. I'm a, I don't want to be in that space. You know what I mean? I don't want to be... And, and so that makes you act out of pace of fear. So yeah, I don't want to marry someone who's going to have mental illness. I don't want to marry someone... I don't want to marry... I'm scared that if I marry someone that the love of my life, I'm going to love this person so much that then I've got a perfect partner and they disappear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be wrecked. I'm not even going to be mad at God. I'm just going to be mad at myself. Yeah. Why the hell did I get married? Yeah. I should have known this was going to happen. It's interesting because I, I saw that in you that, that we're similar in the way that we love hard. We mm, love deep. That we, deep. We, we, if we in there, we in there. We in. And, and that's where you say you can cause uh, yourself an emotional wreck because you're like, I gave you all of me and this is what it ended up is like how do I pick these pieces together mm -hmm. how do I sort my mind how do I rationalize what happened how do I figure this thing out because love is such a vulnerable emotion it's such a vulnerable state it's the most beautiful state that we could ever be in but it's the most vulnerable state that we could ever allow ourselves to enter into because you have no you have, you know, you have no say so about the outcome. Mm -hmm. You can love somebody. You can do everything right. That person can cheat on you. That person can. I only have a fear of anybody even cheating on me. Yeah. My fear is they just dying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I done gay. Like, I. Uh. Mine's that they stop loving me. You're going to stop loving you. They just stop. They suddenly just. But it's because I know that I, that can happen to me. You know what I mean? Because I'm projecting. Because you said you, you can do the same thing. Me. Yeah, I can do the same thing. I can kill switch. <laughs> So you feel like somebody uh, kill switch you? They could kill switch me. You know what I mean? So it affects you. So when you start seeing someone, so when I start seeing someone kind of, any kind of thing where they start pulling away or it feels like they're pulling away, yeah. that's when the kill switch is going to come in. You ain't going to get me. I'm going to get you. It's coming on. Boy, don't play me. I got you. Caught I got you. Got you. you know what I'm saying? Before you get me, I got you. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think a lot of men are in that space. 100%. That's the reason why they don't um, allow themselves to be vulnerable. They mm -hmm. rather exist in situationships and non-committal relationships because they say, if I really get with you, mm -hmm. and that's why you, you mentioned about the red pill community, is that a lot of those guys are nothing but hurt men that try to love and they end up coming up with the short end of the stick. So they just walk, walk around in bitterness and yeah. anger and they hate. Women. women. I mean, absolutely hate them. Um, what would you say mm. to the red pill community? Wow. Let's just talk about that before we wrap yeah. up. What would you say? Look at that camera and just talk to our brethren out there that's operating in trauma. Brothers, hear me and hear me well. No jokes. Um, but no, uh, uh, a real spit. You know, I would say, I would always say that men first and foremost should slow down first and foremost. Stop rushing. Take some time. Review the tape and look where you can be accountable. I'm using their own rhetoric. Yeah. Be accountable. Where did you go wrong? Where, what, what did you contribute towards the downfall of the situation? Second thing I want to say is you need to heal. That means forgive. Yeah. Let it go. Like if you're spending too much time putting energy into hating something, you ain't got no time to love. You know what I mean? And the very thing you're hating, you actually want. And the reason why you hate it is because it has power over you. There it and that's is. why you hate it. You hate the fact that it, it influences you. It's why like men don't like beautiful women. It's because they know that the beautiful women, it influences them to maneuver in a certain way. But you, you can't put yourself in that position. You have to have a mastery of yourself and say, hey, look, beautiful women are always going to shift me and move me, but I'm not going to let it control me. There it is. You know what I mean? If I see a beautiful woman, it's going to move me, but it ain't going to control me. You know what, <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? I'm going to, damn, but it ain't going to control me. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, the major thing for me is slow down, forgive, let go. And, you know, I would say, again, if you're, if you're noticing that you're filling yourself, the Bible talks about 
you know, faith cometh by hearing, by hearing the word of God. The first part of that equation is really beautiful because no matter whether you're a Christian or not, faith cometh by hearing. Whatever you're hearing is becoming your faith. And the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So whatever you're hearing is now becoming what you walk by. So if you're listening to rhetoric that is always against women and negative against women, yeah. guess what's going to happen? You ain't gonna like women. Yeah. You know what I mean? You tell me you like women, but the way you talk makes me feel like you don't like women. There it How is. do you want me to view you? You want me to view you in a particular way. So what are you filling yourself up with? That's the key question. If you're filling yourself up with negativity, you're gonna have negative things. You know what I mean? So change what your input is. Yeah. Good. Good, good, good. Kojo, how do people stay connected with you? Uh well, you got a two to three year system because I got a kill switch. So <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, but no um, YouTube uh, Little yeah. Blackbird 91 You can do it on Instagram Little Blackbird 91 If you like You know Someone to To be muscly and dance Black Muscle 91 On TikTok I'm on there He over there um, dancing He always dancing And twerking I'm always twerking Shaking ass Shaking chest Drexels You know what I mean <laughs> Doing the piano Listen, stuff. listen, uh, he and I connected last year. Like I said, um, you were doing a review on an episode I did on Brainy Lee's channel. The cheating part. Yeah, the that cheating. Wavy, man. And, and what was so interesting about that episode is that she never told me what we were going to discuss. And so <laughs> she came, we shot her episode for my podcast, and then we went to the other room in my studio, and then we shot hers. And I was like, what are we going to talk about? She said, we're going to talk about your infidelity and marriage. And, I, and I've and i talked about it on my podcast, but it hasn't been in depth. I mm -hmm. would just say, you know, um, I cheated on my, my ex-wife. You know, I had a lack of uh, integrity and this, 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 this. I'll just say it like that. I wasn't prepared to talk a whole hour about it. You know what I'm saying? Because it started <laughs> it having though. me share stuff. I'm like, ah, how do I keep talking uh, about this? What, what do I keep talking about? And so um, women, it triggered the mess out of women. And they were just like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe this. That, yeah. And then um, you looked at that episode. And what was so cool is that you were identifying with, you know, the things that I was saying. It's like, hey. And what I loved about you is that you showed your hand. It was like, hey, mm -hmm. I've cheated too. Here's the scars on my hand. And I said, I can connect with that brother. Shout out to Leah Frazier, uh, dope um, publicist who was watching. She loves your platform. And so she said, Leteris, um, she said, Kojo is 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 discussing you on a on a live on YouTube. And I said, Who is Kojo? And why are you discussing me? And he said, He's discussing your interview you did with Brainy. I said, I went and I started watching. I said, Let's see what this brother got to say. Let's see what he's saying. And I said, Oh. Okay, I can rock with him. I, I, I like this. I like this. So then I left the comment and I said, hey, uh, if you ever, I said, I love um, how you viewed that episode. And I said, if you would like to have me in your platform, let's talk. And he was like, we can do it tomorrow. And the next yep. day we did it and we've been connected ever since. Ever since. Um, so what I want to say to y'all, how many, how many subscribers do you have? 75K. You got 75K. The goal on YouTube is always to hit that 100K so you can get this beautiful Black. plaque, right? Oh. That 100K. And you've been doing YouTube for how long? Don't touch it. Oh. Hey, you've, been doing, you've been doing YouTube. We're going to get you on. <laughs> you can't touch it. You've been doing YouTube how long? Uh, eight years, but three, three years full-time now. Full-time. Yeah. Listen, dear future wifey, my 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 lit fam, y'all are ride or die. I love what y'all do to support. Uh, Kojo is somebody that I really believe in, somebody I rock with. I love that he would do commentary on Ready to Love and all these shows. He has great insight. What if we get 25,000 of y'all to go subscribe to his YouTube channel and get him 100K subscribers to get him this amazing plaque? What if we 
Can we do that? Can we just blow his mind real quick? Quint, can we just do that? Let's try to make that happen when this episode drops. It's going to get a, over 100,000 views. So why don't a quarter of y'all go ahead and subscribe? Can let's do that. that. Let's let, let's show him the impact of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Let's bless my brother. Hey, y'all give it up. I know y'all found a lot of value. I can't mm-hmm. wait to read the comments uh, on the channel. Kojo, thank you for showing up vulnerable. Thank Come you for on, being man. transparent. Thank you for being lit, living intensely and transparently. I love that you are 10 toes down in who you are. You're an amazing man of God, and I can't wait to see what God continues to do with you. Oh, and before I stop, mm-hmm. I want to pray over you. By grace. Heavenly Father, I lift up my brother Kojo. God, you heard his heart. You see the need. You understand the plans that you have for him. You see the, the mama trauma. God, I ask that you begin to excavate the pain. You begin to excavate the hurt. You begin to dig out every fear that he has and reconnecting with his mom on the level that you desire for him to connect with his mom. God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that no demon in hell uh, comes against that relationship, not another day. And God, you begin to restore it. God, you begin to restore it in the name of Jesus. The ministry that you've called him to walk in, God, you said it's not by power nor by might, but by thy spirit, said the Lord. So Lord, I ask that your spirit continues to envelop him and cover him from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet and that he begins to to pick up the mantle that you've called him to pick up in the name of Jesus. And he walks boldly in that thing that you've called him to walk boldly in. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the adoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bro, I appreciate it, man. Oh, I just want to say one last thing. Talk to me. I want to say, you know, um, we said quite a bit. And I think where we connect is, and I, want, I hope that when people watch these things, they understand. Um, when you go so dark, it, it is the reason why we we put it so matter of frank is so that people who can be can really be honest about what they actually are feeling. Yes. I didn't want to print it up and be like, I don't hate my mom. By the way, don't think that I don't hate yeah. my mom, but I wanted to be very frank about the feelings I actually have. Facts, you know. And so hopefully that you hear that and you and some those people who are also feeling that can be like. You know what? I feel I'm not alone. I'm not alone. This is actually how I feel. You're not crazy. You're not mad. This is generally how I feel. And this is how we have to present ourselves to God. Like God knows how we really feel in our hearts. The Bible said God knows our hearts. So he knows how we feel. And that's where, and this is where God can use us even greater in ministry is when we can be straight up transparent and honest in where we are. Mm. And then God says, yeah, go ahead. Cast that care on me. You know, but if I walk around and be like, ain't nothing wrong with me, God be like, you're, you're a mess. Like you're, in your words, you're a wreck. Come get that to me. Nah, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need this. I don't need that. And it's like, come on, man. I really know you. So that's the reason why I respect men like you and people like you, period, who say, this is where I'm at. Like, you can't whoop me. So I, I can be honest with my feelings. Like, what you yeah. going to do? You going to tell me I don't have a right to feel what I feel? You know, even Jesus, and we really don't talk about his Garden of Gethsemane moment. His Garden mm. of Gethsemane moment was, take this cup, cup from me. me. He was scared. Mm. He was like, I ain't finna, you think I'm finna go on this cross? He saw a vision of what was before him. He said, I can't take this cup from me. But then the next part, he says, but not my will, let thy will, will be done. done. And so this moment is the... Take this cup from me. This is where I'm at. This is how I feel. You know, and so thank you. I hope people can add reference and context behind everything that we discussed and say, I'm rocking with you. And the most I can do for you is continue to intercede and and um pray for you. But you. anything negative or whatever, just be you just talking to yourself at that point. Y'all give it up for my homie, Kojo, y'all. 
Ladarian thrusted suddenly into Child Protective Services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy, with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted, yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care, should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm Lateris R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. 
Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. Man, it was an honor to have Kojo all the way from the UK on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Thank you, King, for the platform that you have. Uh, it'd be interesting if you do <laughs> a reaction video to this episode, since you're always doing reaction videos to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Uh, but anyway, here's my favorite part of the podcast where I speak to my future wifey. Dear Future Wifey, what is your relationship with your parents? Is it healthy? Even if they are no longer among the living, do you have a healthy perspective of them? If not, please heal. Love. Replace resentment with restoration. Cover animosity with affection. Destroy dissension with deliverance. Love covers a multitude of sins. Let the beauty of your God-redeemed love wash the brokenness away. Forgive and let faith flourish. We you and I will be curse breakers. We will destroy the works of the enemy and our families and replace generational curses with generational blessings. Your future hubby. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.